and you're all welcome to another episode of The Grind. This is Emmanuel Luzin and I will be introducing two wonderful gents who will be here to talk to us on their unique experiences during the Shadow Leader. So in no further ado, today's title of our episode is Shadow Leader in the World. So I won't be doing this alone. I'm also here with... Everybody. So definitely you all know who Ayobami is. Ayobami is like our room model in this whole thing. So Ayobami is going to be doing a lot of unique things here. So please get your ears all tinkered up because we'll be having a lot of experience. So before I go on, um, two key things about these young men are that one, out of everywhere that they could think of in Lagos to pick a leader from, they decided to go wild. Decided to go kilometers away from Lagos to choose their leaders. And secondly, these young men are people who I reckon with because they know the value that they seem to want to get from the program. And in essence, when they came back, they came back fully loaded. So trust me, this episode is going to be an explosion of so much facts, so much interesting thoughts. And those of you who are very much interested in adventures, this episode is for you. So how about me? Let's kick off. Okay, yeah. Thank you, um, Uzim, for the warm welcome as always. Uh, so let's just get right to it. So we have two, two guests here. Um, Introduce ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> the floor is open. <laughs> okay, I'll go first. Uh, let me introduce myself the same way I did um, too many times in Nairobi. So I say, um, Adebo Wale Oparidun, but most people choose to call me either Ade, Debo, or Wale. So yes, it's a three in one name. Mm-hmm. Choose to call me, call whichever one you want. Anyways, yeah, so um, Adebo Wale, I did my. I had my shadow leader experience in Kenya. Mm-hmm. I was going to say Nairobi, but yes, it's sometimes a little bit outside Nairobi. But yes, Kenya, um, for the most part of it, with Twiga Foods, mm-hmm. uh, with the Africa CEO, uh, his name is Peter and Jojo. Mm-hmm. And yeah, beautiful experience. Can't wait to tell you all about it. Yeah, we look forward really, really <laughs> to that, to that um, Kenya from Nigeria. You can imagine how that is. So. I don't want to call you name. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my name is my name is Gerald. Gerald Amakiri. I did my SAO experience with NLNG in Bondi. And um, for most parts, uh, it was supposed to be with Mr. Tony Atta, who is the MDCO of NLNG. And um, but he we had just one session, but he paired me with a whole lot of other people that I think that in the course of this discussion, you will get to be excited with me. Cool. Cool. Interesting. Okay, we can we can wait for that. Can you? I can't. Start. I want to collect what's happening. The days I'm hearing are actually like really astounding. Cool. So, so um, maybe just just one more thing. Uh, what is LLNG? Because I think that's like an abbreviation for something. So could you? So LLNG is Nigeria's liquefied natural gas company. Mm. So, money. <laughs> <laughs> no, so it's a joint venture. We, okay. you have um, the federal government that is represented by NMPC, mm-hmm. and then you have Shell, mm-hmm. you have Total, you have ENI. So they have different stakes in the, in the company. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Makes sense. Makes sense. So, Makes so sense. There's, there's a whole lot of experience in one umbrella. Yeah, let's even uh, kick this off with you. So, um, just tell us a little about the experience. Um, 
Oh, you, you could give like a broad overview around what were the major things you did, um, and um, oh, you could even start with like your leader. How do you find him? Um, what were the major things he did, um, and how did the whole experience pan out? Okay, so, uh, so I think for the first time when I saw um, the mail from the admin from Debo that I had been that's like not. <laughs> <laughs> so when I, when I got the mail from Bibo Dunami and when he said, oh, introducing dear Mr. Tony Atta, introducing your mentee, Gerald and Macri, and wait, 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 which Tony Atta? I had to do a quick Google search. And then I saw the man, I'm like, what does this man want from me? <laughs> like, what, what is the whole, why you, who do you need me for? Because mm-hmm. I had, so when, when that happened, um, we got another mail. He was asking us to give him a um, a summary of our short, mid, and long-term goals. Mm-hmm. That's how detailed he is. Yeah. So he wanted to have that conversation first, first before we even get to Bonnie. So we um, sent the mail across to him, and then um, we were thinking it was going to be a virtual experience. Mm-hmm. But we got another mail that said, "Oh, guys, report to Bonnie." By so 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 time, and I remember running up and down myself and Samuel, and we're mm-hmm. thinking, how do we even get to Bonnie? I'm mm-hmm. from the south south, so mm-hmm. Bonnie feels like home. Mm-hmm. So how do we get to? Bonnie? I was taking Samuel, who is a Cameroonian, first time ever, mm-hmm. first time he's in Lagos, first time he's in Nigeria, he's in Lagos. He's he, has never been, he has never <laughs> been, he has never been to the south south, and for some reason he was more excited than I was mm-hmm. because I would imagine that his thought process would have been. The militants with guns and everything. Mm-hmm. That should mm-hmm. be mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, but he was more excited than I was. He was like, yeah. So, <laughs> so for, 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 for most part of the journey, I was like a tall guy. You know, I would tell him, oh, this is, we've got into Asaba. Oh, We've got into Ugeli, we've got into. So, when we get to Ore, I would tell him, okay, so if you're coming from Lagos to Bayelsa, you can just make two stops, Ore and Ugeli. Mm-hmm. So, we'll get to Ore, you say, yes, this is, this is Ore. <laughs> so, I was a bit, I was, I was, I was a baby nurse, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then I was a tall guy. Because somewhere in our journey, he started having stomach, stomach upset oh, because it's classic, okay. and I didn't know that. I, see, I, see, I, see. I didn't know that mm-hmm. that somewhere is classic. So he was mm-hmm. always looking for somewhere to throw. I'm like, guy, calm down now. <laughs> it's not. So if, if we had gone through flight now, he would have told pilot to back or what. Wow, so nice. we had to like calm down, negotiate, mm-hmm. and then we got to Bayelsa eventually. He met his match, my dad. <laughs> his match. They talked for hours. Me, I told them I was tired. They kept talking and talking. He was telling how he speaks French. You know, Sammy now. Talking. I'm talking. <laughs> and the next day, we got to Bonnie. And when we got there, it was more like I felt you would literally see that this is a place where people are passionate about what they do. Mm. And that's because everything is structured. Okay. From the food you eat to the water you drink, everything is structured. Mm-hmm. So because I did environmental biology, mm-hmm. I was put with the um, I was stationed with the environmental affairs unit. Mm-hmm. And what that meant was that I was I I did um environmental impact assessments. Mm-hmm. I did um um environmental sampling monitoring. Um, mm-hmm. I went on several um, work visits just to make sure that they are 
very because they are very keen on compliance. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. How are they compliant with the regulators? Mm-hmm. Because somebody mm-hmm. can just come and say, "Oh yeah, what you are doing is gas flaring." Mm-hmm. Shut you down. Mm-hmm. You know how federal government is, mm-hmm. and you really cannot do anything about it with all the money you have. You can, so they are big on that. Mm-hmm. They are they do um air quality mo- air quality monitoring. Mm-hmm. They are they're interested in waste because I had a structured schedule, mm-hmm. so I spent like two three days with a particular unit, and then I moved. So for the first day, first week, we we're on quarantine because mm-hmm. they have to be sure of our of our COVID status. Then after that week. Was work proper. Mm-hmm. So the first two, three days, I was stationed with the um, environmental monitoring team, mm-hmm. and then after that, I moved to the waste management team, mm-hmm. and after that, I moved to ESHA. So ESHA is Environmental Safety Health Assessment. Okay. So yeah. right. We're in charge of doing EIS, like Environmental Impact Assessment, post post commissioning. Mm-hmm. So I did like, and I remember doing environmental biology in school, and there's this notion with people that do environmental biology. So it's it's either you end up as a teacher. Mm-hmm. One, or you work in a lab, basically. But then, towards our final year, we started hearing that labs wanted more of um, micro, um, um, what's the med lab scientists? Mm-hmm. They didn't want microbiologists, so they wanted med lab scientists. Mm-hmm. So that too was already. So I was thinking, okay, maybe should I write a book? What should and then NUCM came like should I work? So I was working with government but then so I was working with the Ministry of Environment in my state and everything. And I for that period I was on the side of government as a regulator. Mm-hmm. So going to NLNG and being on the side mm-hmm. of the company. The side, I had right? experienced both sides. Side, yeah. right? mm-hmm. So when I was in in government, I used to do what government said. Go to these companies and get our reports. Mm-hmm. Clamp them down. Clamp them down. <laughs> so when I got to NLNG, the first thing they heard was, oh, when I said I was um, a scientific officer, I used to work with uh, the Ministry of Environment. They were like, ah, yeah, you're oh, a regulator. <laughs> because they don't like regulators. Because those guys come with, they come with, where's the fault? So much aggression. Show us. <laughs> so where is, where's the problem? want to calm people down sure so having to balance that side mm-hmm. of was to me the, was a defining moment for me because i had been on one end and now i'm having an opportunity to be on the other end mm-hmm. and my experience with tony i think the first time we had a meeting one hour and everybody that i say i had a one hour session with mr tony after they say mr tony give you one hour of his time mm. <laughs> because it never happened wow Said he gives you one hour of his time. This is someone that when he comes for their board meetings, it's about he comes like 15 minutes and when he's done, he's done. When he, when he says what he wants to say, and it sounds, it's like because he has so many things to do. Mm-hmm. But someone gave you one hour of its time to hear about your story mm-hmm. and the whole NUTM. So um he had um, a session with Samuel mm-hmm. before he got to me. Mm-hmm. And for my session was more like I felt like really bombarded. Because the questions was coming, like, what's the mission of LNG? What's the vision of LNG? What's our competitive advantage? What's mm-hmm. our strategy? Mm-hmm. So after the whole session, I had to ask Sammy, this guy, come. Can I ask you all these kind of questions? <laughs> Sammy said, ah, no. So it felt like, mm-hmm. I would later discover that during his meeting with Samuel, mm-hmm. Samuel spent like 
45 minutes of the one hour just talking about his life. <laughs> <laughs> so there was no time for him to ask all oh, oh, questions. Ask I, see, I, see, I see. So he took all the questions that he wanted to ask mm-hmm. Samuel yeah, and bombarded it on me. So I felt like, yo. And there was something very, very particular that he said. Um, and and I, and it helped me throughout my stay in Enlil. He mm-hmm. said that when you do not ask, you already have a no. Mm-hmm. But when you ask, so you have, there's a chance that you could have a yes, yes or you know, mm-hmm. or you know. Mm-hmm. And it took me that statement helped me throughout my stay in Boeing because. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a laptop, I didn't have a computer system to work with, I had to ask. Mm-hmm. I needed um, um, PPEs, I had to ask. Mm-hmm. I needed guide on how to do most of the assessments, the analysis, I had to ask. Mm-hmm. When we we're going for stack uh, monitoring, mm-hmm. I had to ask, okay, how do you do this? How do mm-hmm. you wear your clothes? Mm-hmm. How do you do mm-hmm. your helmets? How, mm-hmm. how do you do that? This blue line, what does it mean? Mm-hmm. Because someone had said that what do you stand? The worst anybody can say mm-hmm. is no. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. But if you don't ask, you already have a no. Mm-hmm. So that experience mm-hmm. sort of um, shaped me throughout my program cool. in Boney. And thank cool. you, Anitia. Yeah. Don't worry, we would have a more. more of those. <laughs> <laughs> we would hear more of those experiences and especially those lessons and the major like takeaways from yeah, the yeah, entire experience. Yeah. But that was that was really really detailed. Like moving yeah. from department to department <laughs> and having to experience a whole new yeah. other side of life. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. So um, Debo. Debo. Kenyatta. So Debo, I think we would like to start on on an interesting notes so perhaps let me know you have to make us understand why you chose your leader you say his name is peter and jojo is it jojo i was thinking (laughs) so how did peter come into mind what influenced it and when you realized that peter was in kenya why did you all the way from here decide to fly down to kenya to have such an experience so we just want to have a thought process of how everything happened so mm-hmm. and give us like a time like when do you when you make decision to intern at um, we are Jojo or to work with him Jojo yes there's Indomie yeah you know interview you don't know what to do Indomie uh, Sky Kai company yeah you know what happened okay mm-hmm. uh, let's let me, let me think about it <laughs> okay now I'm just thinking about best to present this within the time program but yes I think um, the best way I would, I would explain this is in December when we first got the email about I know I, I was actually the one that asked um, during the town hall in November Dr. Johnson asking are we going to be allowed to choose our own leaders leader and she was like, oh, no promises, we can, but we'll consider. And then in December, we got the email, recommend five people you like to work with. Sure. I didn't take that for granted at all. <laughs> I took my time and started researching into people I would love to work with. I had a list of five really amazing people. Yeah. I didn't limit it to Nigeria. Um, top of my list was someone who was still brought in, but not for me. Okay. <laughs> uh, that was Andrew Ali. Okay. I ended up with him, and I just pretty much made that decision based on 
where do I see myself many years from now mm-hmm. in terms of, yeah, I think I'll be in entrepreneurship mm-hmm. or maybe in the VC space or pretty much that kind of space. Mm-hmm. And I looked at who are some of the people I've heard about that have kind of been extremely successful in that mm-hmm. space. So yes, my list of five was, it ranged across finance to entrepreneurship to management consulting. <laughs> Yes, I just had five very different people. Like, okay, my life cannot go outside of this <laughs> five sectors, no matter what happens. And uh, of course, I submitted, we resumed. And between then and by March, I felt so by March, we had started building, of course, the mm-hmm. yes. and all mm-hmm. of that. And for the first time, I felt, yeah. The only international work that I've done in my life was a project that I did together with some Cameroonian and, and a Ghanaian. We still kind of even executed it in Nigeria, so I wouldn't really consider it international. Work. Was that the early experience? No, no, no. Life Pro? It was, no, it was with Ashoka. So, okay. I mean, Life Pro is also based in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. We only sold in the US and if you mm-hmm. So, like, I wouldn't still consider that international. Work. Mm-hmm. And I felt like for us, for me to be able to build business at the level where I want to build it, mm-hmm. I need as much diverse perspectives as possible. Mm-hmm. So I just went back to that list and removed all the Nigerians. I just removed all the Nigerians mm-hmm. and I looked again. I'm like, okay, yeah. Um, I still had, now I was left with two options. One person in consulting, which was Achaleke um, of McKinsey, okay. and Peter and Jojo. Of course, at that point, I was sure I wanted to go fully back into entrepreneurship, so it was easy to remove consulting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. However, the question was, what I'm building is in fintech, mm-hmm. where I'm going is in retail and logistics. <laughs> so, why the choice? Um, Peter had like a he has a career trajectory that mm-hmm. obviously I probably would not have because I went too early into entrepreneurship. Peter resigned as the president of thirty three countries in Coca Cola, mm. West and Central Africa. So obviously <laughs> he had all the prejudice just before he went full time into entrepreneurship. I have gone into it mm-hmm. much earlier with far less <laughs> So yes, Peter took all the boxes in that regard. Mm-hmm. Most important, I know I want to raise money at the highest level. And of course, Tiga is one of the few, in fact, I'll say non-fintech startups that have raised over 100 million dollars. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a mix of debt and equity, but it raised a lot and mm-hmm. it's been very successful at doing it. So all these things made Twitter extremely attractive. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was first a cultural exploration mm-hmm. beyond anything else. Mm-hmm. So yes, I wanted to see what's really working internationally look like. Mm-hmm. Um, if I were to expand my business into a new country, mm-hmm. like full-time, mm-hmm. what would that look like? Mm-hmm. Uh, Shadow Leader was that perfect experience to mm-hmm. see that in, in the full sense. Mm-hmm. Um, unlike my friend there, I didn't work for Twitter, interestingly. Wow. And that was because right from my very first call with Peter, it's like, just tell me what do you want to achieve? I'm like, I, 
one, I want to see your company is already big. I would really not call you a startup anymore. Mm-hmm. And I want to have an idea of how have you structured? Like when mm-hmm. I build my own startup to this level, mm-hmm. what will corporate governance look like? Mm-hmm. How do I put systems in place that will allow my people to try? I mm-hmm. want to see that kind of system mm-hmm. in actual real mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'll probably not be able to work with a company or a startup at mm-hmm. that level anymore before I go full-time, full-time into entrepreneurship mm-hmm. again. But this is my only opportunity to actually see it in action. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, then that's beautiful. Um, you are going to join my meetings mm-hmm. and listening silently. Mm-hmm and you're going to rotate with all the key departments. Like, just iron it out with my executive assistant. I jumped on the call with the executive assistant, Grace, very helpful lady, and we planned out everything step by step. I was added to his course and listened to back and forth between him and his executives. I started redetecting the moment I arrived in Kenya. I spent an entire week with them, all their sub-teams, their senior managers, managers, their officers, all the way down to everybody. I just spent time with them, watch what they're doing, ask questions till there is no more questions to ask. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that went on all through the six weeks. Mm-hmm. Tech team, commercials, strategy and insights team, operations team, everything, like pretty much everything. Covered, I seemed <laughs> from left to right, and I had really amazing interactions. Less of even like with Peter, more of with his executives across board, his senior managers, his managers, down to the frontline workers, TDRs. I went on market research with them, I went on sales drive with them, I went on dispatching the warehouses with them. I saw literally every single part of the business. I listened in on calls, I listened in on meetings, and my only job was pay attention and ask questions. Nothing else. Mm-hmm. Nothing else. And that was extremely beautiful. Because two sides to it, and mm-hmm. I, I think that's my biggest win from this, right? Yes, mm-hmm. I was 100% able to see what structuring at that level look like, mm-hmm. how you finally fully let go mm-hmm. and hire smart people, allow them to enjoy themselves, mm-hmm. building your vision or building mm-hmm. the shared vision mm-hmm. uh, as, as you like to do it. And then your own work is just clearing the way for your team. Like, trust them, but clearing the way for them. Like, everything. What do you need? What do you need? Whatever resources, whatever partnerships, whatever deals. I'll make it happen. You people just do your job. I know that if I give you this capability, you already have the capacity to deliver on that. Mm-hmm. If I make this happen and create this opportunity, you will deliver. You will deliver. Mm-hmm. He has already empowered this team at that very high level. I was super amazed. Mm-hmm. The second more important thing that I think I enjoyed the most is now I have high-level professionals mm-hmm. in your network. Yes, in Nairobi and beyond mm-hmm. that come back tomorrow. I have people I can call on and say, hey, I need help. I really, really need help. Because pretty much Twitter has somehow mm-hmm. attracted like the most amazing people in the mm-hmm. Kenyan ecosystem. And 
that has that that's my biggest thing really the people like mm-hmm. these people are people i would never forget the people i would most likely lean on as i try to expand my business as well and um then so i, I think i'll just cut it there <laughs> answers, um, some of the questions you addressed earlier but yes that's it wow <laughs> it's really pretty interesting so I think I'll just move on to Gerald. Um, Gerald, you had the opportunity to be with um, Ashu. Yeah. And I Ashu's supposed to be here to talk to her. <laughs> Since you were you were his Google Map all the time. <laughs> so, but what was the experience like having an international, a foreigner, work with you right there in Bonny Island, and how was your relationship with? The, with the other colleagues or team members over there, how were you able to balance working with your leader and also working with another new set of people who were actually part and parcel of your group process, even through the experience? And please let us hear how Ashu's own play came to play. Let's <laughs> lose weight. <laughs> yeah, so, so uh, something really um, dynamic happened when we were going, when we got to, we got to Port Harcourt mm. and uh, we'd speak pigeon. So we speak pidgin and we speak English. Oh, yeah. There was no form of French, anything, just pidgin and English. When we get to the room, we we'll say, Omo, guy, Alpha. We just had to do that. And I don't know, it just brought me, just exposed me to a different version of Ashu. And I wish he was here. Because mm-hmm. there were days when I felt like Ashu should. I should calm down now. No, I should uh, calm down. Calm uh, down. Okay. And because me, I'm more like I'm more laid back in my okay. approach to mm-hmm. things. I I like to I like to see the bigger picture first. Mm-hmm. But actually, it's like let's do it now. Mm-hmm. Let's do it now. Mm-hmm. Um, because I remember that okay, um, Mr. Tony uh, paired us with um, the GM of production, mm-hmm. which is equivalent to a group general manager in NMPC. Wow. Thank you. Mr. Adelaide Faladi. And we shadowed him for one week. Mm-hmm. That meant that we would attend all his business, his manager's meetings. There was a meeting that, there was a workshop he had to speak on in Port Harcourt. We went with him to Port Harcourt. Mm-hmm. Um, everything that he was doing, we were doing it with him. So in the morning, when we go, the first, first point of contact, Mr. Lair's office. And he was amazing. Mm-hmm. He exposed us to literally all the location managers in Bonnie, all the departmental heads. Mm-hmm. So I was in HSC mm-hmm. and I had met my Oga, my head of department, mm-hmm. even before I meet him officially. I only spoke to him like when I came back here to mm-hmm. yes. So it was it was it was just that beauty and you would you would get that everybody was working together as a unit. Mm-hmm. Like, just to give you up what um, Adigo Wale said, you would see some sort of empowerment. When I mean empowerment, it means that everybody is efficient at their job mm-hmm. because they know what to do. Mm-hmm. And everybody, the structure is in place. Yes, everybody knows that this is... And I, and I thought it was just me too. I was there when NMPC came for a visit. The group general manager we had mm-hmm. team came for a visit and they wanted to be sure what was going on and everything. And she said the same thing. None of the managers, none of the top people followed her when she was going on her tour. But just meeting 
the average technician in the workshop, he would explain literally everything about his job mm. to him. So everybody knew what they were supposed to do. Yeah. Food was not a problem. Mm-hmm. Feeding was taken care of. Initially, we even had a driver assigned to us. She did get caught. So anywhere we were going to, someone was assigned to take us around. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if we wanted to go to the mall to buy something, mm-hmm. someone would hell and God <laughs> well. so, so those profession and there's everybody is so like I said, everybody is so empowered that you would get into an average cab. Let's say you get mm-hmm. into an average an energy transport mm-hmm. and they won't move till you put on your seatbelts. Mm-hmm. That's how efficient they are. The driver will wait. See, you put on your seatbelt. If if you if you realizes that you're new and you, you don't know that the first thing you have to do is put on your seatbelt, he will tell you, mm-hmm. please put on your seatbelt. And you're not allowed to remove that seatbelt until he comes to a complete halt. Before, if you want to highlight mm-hmm. that weight, he will come to a complete halt and then you move your seatbelt. It was that so even to the least driver. Mm-hmm. That's how structured the company mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, um, Simon and I having a conversation. And he said. Gerald, ah, I just want to be here. This, this place, like, <laughs> this, is the, this is the place for me. This is not, this is not like Nigeria. <laughs> Everything there is structured. Mm-hmm. And I, it, the first conversation I had with Mr. Tony, he said that Gerald, the only thing I want you to do from now on is to have a structured approach to things, because structure helps give you mm-hmm. perspective. Mm-hmm. It helps you know, okay, this is what you should do first. This is. When you when you hear that NLNG is like literally one of the best run companies in the world, as at twenty twenty they won an award for the best LNG company mm. in the world. Oh, really? Cool. That's because mm. mm-hmm. of and people say oh it's it it was this sort of growth is because of the people at the top. Mm-hmm. There is no favoritism. Mm-hmm. Oh my brother is there. Okay, let me. Mm-hmm. Everything is married. Mm-hmm. You have to earn mm-hmm. parts. Mm-hmm. The person that was my direct supervisor was a second was on second man from NMPC. Mr. Waziri was a second man. He was on second man from NMPC. What do you mean by second man? So um like I said that they have people that are NMP LNG is a joint venture. So they have people that make up NLNG. So when you're on secondment, you have a parent company. For example, your parent company might be Shell, mm-hmm. but then you're on secondment to NLNG. Mm-hmm. So it means that you're a Shell staff, but your primary place of work is at NLNG for a brief period of time. Yeah. When you're done with that assignment, you go back to your parent company. So even the MD, Mr. Tony Atta, is mm-hmm. a Shell staff. Oh, I see. So I see. He's general manager, so he should be done. He they, they, they have another, they have a new MD. Mm-hmm. Now, but his tenure ends in August. So mm-hmm. by August, he's, he goes back to Shell. I see. His I parent see. company. I see. I see. So it was, it was just a whole new experience. For Mr. Lair, Mr. Lair recommended um, books to me. Mm-hmm. So I had to read books mm-hmm. and then give him feedback. Mm-hmm. There was one particular book, um, um, it had to do with Navy SEALs and how they were able to fight their battles in Iraq and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's Extreme Ownership. That's the title of the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Extreme Ownership. Mm-hmm. I have a copy in my room. So what that book said is relating to empowerment. Mm-hmm. It said that across a broad spectrum, nobody has all the knowledge about anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 So leaders would 
always have to rely on the wisdom of your subordinates, the people mm-hmm. under them. Mm-hmm. And those people can only maximize themselves if the leaders trust them and empower them. So that's it. So mm-hmm. everything was just, and I'm grateful for that. I'm mm-hmm. grateful for, aside the connection that I have now, mm-hmm. the people that I have colleagues mm-hmm. that are, um, I was there and I was doing a lot of things. I helped mm-hmm. um, someone um, start up a IG page and I told her, I'm like, I know how to do this thing <laughs> because of both better and everything. Yeah. So I helped her mm-hmm. put up her she's uh, selling social media, social media yeah. handle, okay. her IG page on clothes, and she's always messaging me. So when I talk to her, she's like, ah, how do you know these things? I say, well, I'm a scholar now. Makes a lot of sense. So you would, you just you go into an environment and mm-hmm. you discover that it's not just what you were taught in school. Mm-hmm. There are just things that come to you, and then people feel like, oh, you're a smart person. Mm-hmm. It's just that you've been exposed to a variety of information. Yeah. So everything, yeah. So everything is like you know how to do this, mm-hmm. you know how to mm-hmm. do this. You will be giving somebody an advice on how to handle leadership, like the align managers and everything. And they're looking at you like, are you not supposed to be an IT student? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we, me and Sammy used to say, we are not just conventional. Because yeah, when you say IT, you think you are undergraduates. Yeah. We are not undergraduates, so we are postgraduate people. Mm-hmm. Ah, say, ah, postgraduate, IT. First time, they were so confused. Ah, how did you even get here? How did you... Calm down, Jerry. That's quite an experience. That's quite an experience. That's quite an experience. Like, there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack here. I'm sure, like, I even have to listen to this. Because, like, there's just so much from your experience. And one major thread I saw that actually made your uh, experience very fruitful was the fact that you guys actually rotated across departments and you got different perspectives. Mm -hmm. Even the company itself is a different perspective. Mm -hmm. You got, like, different perspective even within and that makes a lot of sense um, because um, it brings a lot of variety to like your learning and you're able to apply your skills in different environments so that that, that makes a very lot of sense Mm -hmm. so um, Debo um, what were the key takeaways Maybe just want, and and it's gonna be very very difficult. Like it's gonna be very difficult as to like just bring, I mean, transcristalize it to like one two three. But uh, for the sake of time and uh, just to bring, just 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 to make it conclude it, I guess. Half hour of three. Uh huh. Please. Yeah. So <laughs> okay, I think it's it's pretty much easy to say right now because, um, so I'd say. I already mentioned that so I'm not going to cast that part mm-hmm. but yes I have very smart people mm-hmm. I give them space to work mm-hmm. I really trust them to give them space to work mm-hmm. that, that, that would automatically count as one of the key lessons mm-hmm. now to the three <laughs> okay. right. so I think number one is one very pleasant surprise Mm-hmm. That I figured out from that I saw in Twitter was OKR management. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, it is so detailed, comprehensive, and specific that it scares me. Mm-hmm. I was at the operations floor, and for every critical activity mm-hmm. at the park house or warehouse, more mm-hmm. like the fulfillment, yeah. main yeah. fulfillment center, mm-hmm. before the fulfill to the depots, every one of those activities have costs mm-hmm. that are tracked on each, 
and the target for each of them that they should not exit. And that is based on what the profits plan for each of the products that are being moved in the park house is. I was mind blown. So even with down to this person is spending how many minutes moving crates of bananas? Mm -hmm. How much are we paying this person per hour? Mm-hmm. How much is that cost, unit cost on each banana or each crate of banana? Mm-hmm. Now bring it into unit economics wise. What makes sense to spend on this person mm-hmm. per hour? Mm-hmm. If this person is not moving this mm-hmm. number of crates, then our cost is already rising. Mm-hmm. And as a result, we are not going to have mm-hmm. economics mm-hmm. that makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Everything mm-hmm. is tracked and specific to the last digits. Interesting. So I'm like, no, this is extremely beautiful. So that counts definitely as number one. Number two is, maybe it's where I actually stop, is Peter is an amazing storyteller. Is is he sells his vision, is like overcommunicate. I see what he means by overcommunicate. He sells his vision. He sat my final time with him was a physical lunch together in one really nice restaurant. And he spent like the entire hour <laughs> sharing strategies and vision for the future. And I myself, I was extremely sold. Now imagine if I was an employee that mm-hmm. listens to him mm-hmm. say every two weeks, three weeks, the same communication. I would be sold every time. Imagine if I'm a potential investor as well and I'm listening. I would be sold every time. And it's core is you need to be able to control the narrative no matter what. Like It has to be a big vision, right? And you control that narrative of what the vision would look like mm-hmm. and what you're really trying to build. So mm-hmm. I'd say those two things. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, those three things, of course, I have very smart people mm-hmm. put a good system in place that allows them to thrive on their own. Second thing, OKR management at this purest form. <laughs> and of course, um, you as a leader taking that responsibility of and just ironing out how you tell your story, control the narrative in a way that gives direction, not just to your team, but even the external stakeholders. For if someone like me, now I'm an ambassador, just <laughs> speaking good of Tiga everywhere. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. Cool, yeah. cool, cool. These are, these are very, very um, amazing insights. Mm-hmm. Before he goes over, there's something that has actually been on my mind. So, your trademark laughter. <laughs> How did you? I hope you migrated it properly to Kenya. No, you gave them a good impression. All I'm that jolly good friend. <laughs> so, with regards to that, how what was like your experience? I hope you were able to enjoy most of the whole cultural diversity there. Um, the well, adventure in Nigeria. I hope you had your well, time. I love you to be a little salty. The only big problem, which which I really told most of them, uh, was. Kenyan food, mm-hmm. me as a Nigerian, mm-hmm. is extremely bland. Oh my goodness. Ah, no, I told them. Oh, no, no, no. Oh. Lack varieties, does not have 
pepper, oh, no. <laughs> spices. Oh, I'm no. like, how do you people survive? <laughs> but yeah, um, outside of that, pretty much, um, I I really loved Nairobi. Mm. It's like what in my by my estimate, I'll say it's fifty times more green than mm-hmm. Lagos. Mm-hmm. It's so green. Mm-hmm. It's just so so green. It feels so natural. Mm-hmm. It's it's like your life. <laughs> It's like you're alive. And of course, most of the people I spoke to were mm-hmm. really kind. Mm-hmm. You're not as aggressive as my people here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in some cases. So yes, in, in every way that was really beautiful. I know that one of the biggest thing for me also was everybody I spoke to wanted to have an idea of so what is different in between Nigeria and Kenya. Yeah, so I have to go on and on explaining, oh yes, the differences. Of course, I start off by bashing their food <laughs> before going on to all the really great things. I agree there are a lot of beautiful things. Uh, Makes sense. As maybe we have more time, we can really drill you on that again. What's <laughs> What is different between Nigeria and yeah, okay, yeah. But, yeah. But, but that makes a lot of sense. Um, Gerald, just to wrap things up, um, just major key lessons uh, that uh, that you had from your experience, both with LLNG and Ashu. <laughs> so, uh, um, um, Ashu taught me patience. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, because he, I would say that he stretched me. But um, my experience in LLNG taught me that at a certain level of managerial positioning, mm-hmm. competency is about 10 to 20% requirement, mm. truth be told. Mm-hmm. What is really needed is your people and leadership skills. Mm-hmm. Because you would have competent people mm-hmm. under you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, But how you can be able to extract those the people, best the best out of them, mm-hmm. is your people and leadership skills. Mm-hmm. So a lot of them, of those leaders at that level of positioning, mm-hmm. they were fantabulous people, mm-hmm. especially with their leadership skills. Mm-hmm. So you'd have um, Mr. Lea, for example, who would go on meetings and you wouldn't even know that he's the general manager of production. Like there are the days when the day we went to Potako, it was to speak on. Um, he gave a guest a, a lecture on. He was a guest lecturer for. He spoke on um, um, vision. Mm-hmm. creating something about creating a new vision mm-hmm. and then he it was for the Nigerian Society of Engineers someone had died, his mentor had died and he oh, was yeah. okay. speaking for that and he was on the queue mm-hmm. this is someone that is the general manager for production what that means is that he was in charge of everything in Boni mm-hmm. consigning NNNG as far as NNNG as a company is in Boni the GM production is the number one person point of call Mm-hmm. But he was so hum- humble to the point that it, it showed in his interactions with people. Empathy, humility, and just that nature of putting people first. And there's something we say in NNG. When we say... Um, Wait, is this your thoughts? Yeah. <laughs> yeah something there's something that okay. we say in NNG. When we say... Um, safely produce. So there's produce safely and there's safely produce. Mm. And I got to learn that. So when you mean produce safely, it means that you're putting production first before safety. Mm-hmm. When you mean when you say safely produce, it means that you're putting the safety of your employees mm-hmm. first 
before mm-hmm. whatever it is that you're producing. Mm-hmm. So LNG is safely producing. Mm-hmm. It means that the safety of their workforce first. Priority. Mm-hmm. If you like that production can wait. Mm-hmm. You that you are doing the work, are you mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. So they create an environment, everything to make sure that you you're okay to work. And that's like the best to me. I don't know. That's mm-hmm. that's for everybody that is interested in working in, in any environment. Mm-hmm. Having an environment where your safety, your feelings, your everything, your progression, your career progression, career advancement, everything is top priority to an employer. Is is it makes well things that money can buy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's like the the hallmark of a very good HR yes. HR yeah. um system. Yeah. So that is wow. Like Whoa, I, at last. <laughs> like uh I was just I was just I was just lost in the whole like the whole um, <laughs> everything everything about this. Oh um, by the way, I wanted to just point out that I still discovered some Swahili dishes when ah. I went to Mombasa that were not as bad. So <laughs> there are some pepper, but actually lots of spices. How do you forget that they are hosting the Yoruba man? Okay, okay, let's wrap this up. Following this podcast, but thank you so much, guys. We really had much fun here. I hope you guys like got many things from this like episode. We really look forward to the next episode. Um, have fun, guys. Till then. And yeah, from me, for those of you who have also listened to this, feel free to explore. The world is just a place for you to make the best out of life. So be good, travel, enjoy, and make the best out of everything. So from me to you all, I say a wonderful evening. Thank you so much. And if you like Pepe, I'm okay. <laughs>